Welcome to Visionary Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionary Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we have your NXT deadline results and recap. A bunch of Continental Classic matches. CM Punk. And Seth Rollins go face-to-face in the middle of the ring. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that 9 to 5. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagy, a.k.a. Chestnuts Roasting on a McIntyre. John... (laughs) John Moxley is Dean Ambrose. It's been said many times in case they've Merry Christmas, our truth. And out Hell there. In- no. <laughs> God damn, that's out great. Out there in South City, St. Louis, Missouri, not 100%, but listen. 30% of Jason Bell is better than 100% of almost anybody else. We have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? I'm just your beefer boy. Beefer boy. I'm not your boy toy. Boy toy. And on that lovely note, I'll ask a congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside Podcast, Volume 338, Chapter 3, Verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. The Holy Trinity of BF. Far. Yeah, your boy is not sounding so good. This is the first time I really talked in like two days. I've been off work, sick as a dog, but on the road to recovery, and I would not, could not let my boys go on a Thursday night. If I still had a voice, I still talk, and I could still talk a little shit. I might not be 100%. 30 might be a little too much. I'm, I'm saying more. I got 25, 28%. Neither here nor there. I'm here to talk some shit. Let's do the stand. Still better than 100, still better than almost every other wrestling podcaster out there. And sitting directly across from me in St. Charles, Missouri. What up, turd? We got. <laughs> Bo Vice Geesman, what's going on, Bo? Hey, what's up? I'm gonna I'm gonna be dead honest. I didn't watch a lot of wrestling this weekend because uh, I had a lot going, had things going on. Oh but, yeah, um, oh yeah. I'm real. I'm really just here to do hood rat shit with my friends. <laughs> that, I mean, let's get it going. Let's uh, get it going. So it's a little little unorthodox tonight. Uh, it's a little unorthodox. Uh, no Zach Pullman. He's got some family stuff going on. It is the season for Christmas concerts and all sorts of shit like that. But we got a full week of wrestling, lots of wrestling to get to, lots of shit, as always. Um, you know what? I didn't mention this. We might even do some Ring of Honor predictions at the end. I kind of forgot about it until just now. I don't know. <laughs> you know I was getting ready to say, but man, I'll, I'll, just, I'll save that. I'll, I'll save my real good rant for that later on because I got some thoughts about uh, Final Battle and the, the lead up to it or the lack thereof. We got a real good rant coming up from Jason Cornelius Bell. No need to delay it. Let's get to that. Three, <laughs> two, three. JCB, kick it off. Let's go back to Saturday night. Uh, deadline, I believe this was in Connecticut of all places. Kind of a weird spot for NXT, but I thought the the NXT crowd was very into the matches themselves. Trick Williams, um, I knew he was big in the NXT PC, the NXT universe, whatever the little building they call that they're there every week. But to see 
him get such a reaction when he came out just for the Iron Survivor match, I thought was probably the biggest pop of the night and just reinforced what I've always kind of, not always thought, but been thinking recently that Trick Williams is ridiculously over and at some point he could be the NXT champion. But let's back up. We'll go up to the top of the card, work our way back. Uh, dark match, uh, Axiom defeats Nathan Frazier. Uh, thought Nathan, Nathan Frazier was taking this a little too lightly, ends up biting him in the ass. I could see a potential heel turn here. At least that's the way I was interpreting things. I can't speak for William H. on this one, but for me, I took it as this was an L that Nathan Frazier took because he was being a little too lax. And somewhere down the line, if they do meet up again, he and Axiom, I would suspect a heel turn of some sort. Nothing crazy, but I think Nathan Frazier needs a little bit of a shakeup when it comes to his character. He's a little too white meat baby face for my taste, and I think a little bit of a, a corruption of a heel turn would do him some good. A really talented wrestler uh, that it seems like he kind of exists in his own world on NXT for some reason. Like, he kind of floats in and out as big matches with big people but never really had a story or a character to speak of. So I'm a Jason, a little bit of a character shakeup or <laughs> excuse me, some development uh, would be nice. So I'll admit though, I didn't watch the match. Uh, opening this forgot, sh- forgot about it. If you did, honestly, you, you really didn't miss all that much. It was good, not great. Uh, to open the show, you obviously had CM Punk make his NXT debut and teasing what up, the fact that he would come to NXT. I don't, look, let's just be real for 30 seconds. And I said it last week. If I didn't, I'm going to say it this week. There's no way in God's green earth CM Punk was going to land on NXT. And the fact that they wanted to even make this a remotely of a storyline is, is a little bit insulting. This is some Vince shit. And I expect a little more from Triple H. Triple H has at least garnered enough goodwill to where now I can hold him to a higher standard. And this this was what it was. I'm not going You wanted him on NXT to have him, you know, do the the tour de force of all three brands. I get that. Let's not sit up here and lie to everybody. CM Punk was not coming to NXT on a regular fucking basis. Okay? Stop it. The fact that you even drug this motherfucker out here and wasted 15 minutes of a show to, to even suggest that he was coming to NXT was insulting. Stop it, Triple H. You know, Barry. That, that's some Vince shit. I expect more from you from this point moving forward. Uh, it's like this was designed to annoy me. It's like, oh my god, okay, all right, dude. He comes out. He comes out. They don't. They don't remember their lines. They talk about not remembering their lines. They're all cute and shit. Like I said on our text thread the other day, the worst part about this CM Punk thing <laughs> is that we have to go through this whole new cycle of him making his happy-go-lucky comeback, which we already saw in AEW, and that is by far the worst version of CM Punk. You can tell it's just it, it, it it's just so. Fake. And him trying to act chummy with with HPK, uh, it just I was like, come on! I, I I really I'd rather watch Nathan Frazier versus Acton. Ouch! Um, I'm I mean, I, I don't no, mean no, that as no, insulting. I'm no. just saying, like, I would rather watch a match between two guys that I kind of know about than see CM Punk out there with HPK. I've already seen it. I, do they have kayfabe beef, or do they have like real life heat? HPK and Punk? Yeah. Who? who oh, I, I have no idea. Who knows at this point? Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know they had rumors of either. No, I was. 
the only reason I'm asking that is because it felt like Punk made it feel like this was never going to happen. Like they, you know, the 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 feuds that they had in the past were you know, personal feuds, and now that he left and's come back, you know, hell is frozen over, him and HBK are in the same ring type shit. At least that's the way I kind of interpret things in that scenario where, once again, you know, he had to, you know, kiss the Triple H ring to get on board with uh, WWE, same with Vince. Not saying he had to kiss the HBK ring, but the fact that he just kind of insinuated that this was something that probably wasn't going to happen ever again. Just made me wonder if there was, you know, kayfabe heat or was this, you know, a straight up, you know, this was a shoot heat scenario where they were no, kind of I getting mean, it out of, out of their chest. He was, well, he brought no up idea. Bret Hart or whatever, you know what I'm saying? He was like, yeah, you and Bret Hart are, you know, are buddies now. And then that's when it started Somebody to get off the rails a bit. Well, and you know, Triple H is walking around the back and he's going, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Can you kick my ass? <laughs> That's the only question we got to answer. I have no idea if there's any heaps. I, I don't know. The whole segment sucked. No, I... I Can I, you I, kick my ass? Yeah, right. I, I, it was what it was. I, I get it. Triple H wanted Punk on NXT. Mission accomplished. But ultimately, this was... It fell really flat, and now it was a little disappointing, but neither here nor there. Uh, the opening match on the main card of Deadline was for the NXT North American title, Dragon Lee versus Dirty Dom Mysterio. I picked Dom Mysterio just because of my love for Dom, but in my heart of hearts watching this match unfold, I kind of felt like Dragon Lee was going to win, and he did take the North American title off of Dominic Mysterio. Honestly, I have no you problem with Dom? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I have you written... I ha- I have you written down as Dragon Lee. Okay, never mind. We'll have to, go back. We'll, we'll have to go back and listen. Okay. Um, I, I thought I picked Dom, but I might have changed my mind. It, it could easily have happened. Um, no no freebies. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a freebie, boss. I We're said. double checking. We, we can double check. Um, Dragon Lee, I think, is prime for that push. And the fact that you have you had Dom kind of float from the main roster back to NXT defending the titles. I can totally see Dragon Lee doing that. And that's probably the the quickest way that you can get him over with fans that don't know who Dragon Lee is or not familiar with a lot of his matches. The man's got all kinds of talent. And the fact that Tony Khan let him get away to go to WWE still kind of blows my mind. LFI was ready-made for Dragon Lee, Roosh, um, Dralistico, whomever else you want to put in there, Preston Vance. I'll tell you what, it seems like they're really putting their back into this push. It seems like Dragon Lee is getting more love than like any of the other heir apparents to Rey Mysterio have in the past. Um, Carlito is probably one, but that isn't didn't really work per se. Santos is the most recent, and obviously that's yeah, going. But I'm, to- I'm talking about I'm talking about a mask guy though. Completely fair. I was going to say, Ray is, but Ray is a hard act to follow, man. I mean, when you're coming after the greatest, arguably the greatest luchador of all time, you know, it's yeah. everybody, look at uh, everybody who's supposed to be the next Michael Jordan or the next LeBron, whatever the case may be. Harold Miner came out of USC and he, damn, he looked like MJ for a little bit. I was just going to say, 
Sin Cara, the second one, okay. with Harold Miner. There you go. Okay, so, I mean, it's it kind of is what it is. You, you sh- we shouldn't want to make somebody the, the next fill-in-the-blank. They should be their own person in this case. I think Dragon Lee has already kind of carved his path out to being Dragon Lee. The fact that he has Rey Mysterio's, I guess, you know, backing, you know, endorsement, whatever word you want to use in a sense, definitely doesn't hurt by any stretch of the imagination. Now it's just going to be up to Triple H to book Dragon Lee in a way that can get him over with fans. The way it seems like now, it's like it feels like it's going to be an open challenge kind of thing, the way Wesley did it when he first won the title. Anybody that wants some can come get some. Except for maybe when Kurt Angle was a luchador. That was pretty bad. <laughs> Bo showing me pictures. Oh, my God. Oh, holy shit. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's great. I'm afraid Jason's going to die. We're not going to be there. We're not going to be able to help him. No, hey, that's good. Hey, I can... I can, I can we call 911 in St. Louis. It's going to hey, take him hours. Hey, you keep doing the pod. I'll just race out there. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you'll be, you'll, I'll, I'll, call, I'll call it in. Okay. Somebody's just going to have to come down and get me because you know this is the city. They, they got more important things to do and worry about my not dying ass coughing down here and shit. Um, no, I thought this was a really good curtain jerker for the card. Yeah, um, it was it was great. Yeah, it, it just – Dom is just – I know that he gets all the booze in the world, and justifiably so. But, I mean, let's give the devil his due. Dom can go. I'm not saying he's five stars, but he is not going to sit up here and give you a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. I think that's something to be said about Dom. He's still so fucking young. Yeah, like you said, so young and many years ahead of him. (laughs) Next up, you had the women's survivor, uh, women's, uh, let's try this again, the Iron Survivor Challenge women's match. Um, Blair Davenport, see if I have it right, Fallon Henley, Lash Legend. Who am I missing? Um, Keanu James. Keanu James, Tiffany Stratton. Okay. Um, Those five women in the Iron Survivor Challenge match on the ladies' side. To me, even though Blair Davenport won the match at the end, to me, the standout was Lash Legend. Um, I did not have a lot of expectations for Lash when she came into this match. Didn't have a lot of expectations, you know, even before then. Her slamming Otis the week before caught everybody's eye, and now that she's taken that momentum and kind of taking it forward towards the ladies' side, you can kind of see that she really stands out in a way that most of the other women don't. She's a powerhouse, and she can physically woman handle. You're talking about Lash Legend? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I agree. Uh, She can woman handle basically anybody on the roster. That point, you got something to work with. I'm not saying she's going to be the monster heel of NXT, but you definitely have something to work with. From that point, go ahead. uh, I was going to say that you had – you picked Flair Davenport. Uh, Zach and I both had her second, most likely. So you got a full four points on there. You had eight points on the night, just to point this out. Uh, uh, Bill had seven. Zach coming in a distant third with six. So uh, Jason is only one back of the. <laughs> Why am I getting No, moved? I'm sorry. Jason, no, Jason, takes, Jason took the lead, actually. Yeah. Jason's up. Yeah. 118 to 117. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got to go back at. We got to go back and check that Dragon Leap pick, though. By all means, knock yourselves out. I'll, I'll just start singing it now. Return uh, of the Mac. This, this, was a, this was a fun match. Hello. Uh, Cora Jade comes out of the end. Cora Jade's been gone for four months. She comes out. Uh, 
Blair Davenport had to dip out quick, though, because she had to go close down the Great Clips at the strip uh-uh, mall down stop, the street. Stop, stop. You ain't shit. And that's why, Cor- that's why Cora Jade... She, that's why Cora Jade had to take over the end of the segment. <laughs> but th- this was a th- this was a fun match. I like the I think I like the Iron Survivor format. I wasn't a huge fan of it the first time around, but I think this time around I've gotten used to it. I've, I knew what I was expect, what I was going to ex- expect coming into it, and now it's just kind of like, okay, now what are you going to do this time around? A third time won't hurt. Fourth time won't hurt. You know, as long as they keep doing this, I'll get more and more adjusted to it and probably like it more and more. The fact that they didn't have um, a lot of people from last year's. I think Braun Breaker was the only one that was a carryover from last year to this year out of the uh, the 10. I think that was the, the biggest thing is that you're, you're getting new blood into the uh the Iron Survivor Challenge match itself. Braun Breaker. I'll say this, the two ways that they had this Iron Survivor match, like the two styles of match, like with the men's trick getting all the pinfalls at the very end and the way that Blair Davenport was just like trying to avoid people at the end, I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty cool. I no, thought that was cool. It no, was like two different ways that you can use the match. No, for sure. The Blair Davenport way was probably the, you know, the, it felt like a, a heel way to go about it, but I mean, it's fucking smart. You know, you you're up and you, and there's few seconds left. You're not going to sit there if you don't absolutely have to. You know, baby faces do that shit. You know, the heel is smart in this scenario and, and got the hell out of there. Uh, I want to hold off on Trick for just a second. I have a, it's not bad, but I just I wish they'd have played it a little different. No problem with Trick winning. I just wish they'd have played it a little different. Um, Next up, you have uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Lexus King. Carmelo Hayes goes over. Um, this was okay. I just it felt like this was more of a a storyline match where Lexus King at the end thanks Carmelo for the PLE rub, getting him on the show, and kind of trolls Carmelo in the loss. I'm not sure exactly where this is going, especially after what happened on NXT on Tuesday. But Lexus King is making some noise, making waves, whatever you want to call it, like yeah, it or not. As soon as, the, as soon as this match started, I was like, why didn't I pick Carmelo Hayes? It's like we all picked Lexus King. And then as soon as it started, I was like, oh, they're not going to have Carmelo drop to Lexus King. It just... It wasn't the way the match was laid out. This match was just okay. I think Carmelo's the shit, and I think this match is just okay. No, I agree. Carmelo is, you know, a generational talent. I hate to use, you know, the MJF term, but I think he is. You know, he's a blend of athleticism. He can work the mic. I think he's, you know, got charisma out of the ass. He's got a lot of things that will do serve him well on the main roster. I'm kind of with you on this one. You know, as soon as the match started, I was like, yeah, this was probably a mistake. And the fact that it ended so quickly, it wasn't a squash by any stretch, but it, it, it did, if it went more than 10 minutes, I'd have been stunned. I, don't have the, I didn't put the time down of the, uh, the match itself. If it went and more than 10 minutes. Carmelo not, despite Carmelo not having the belt anymore, uh, they book him strong. Yeah, without question. I think that's that's something that is going to ultimately lead into uh, Friday night's um, U.S. Uh, tournament match against, I believe it's Grayson Waller. Um, they don't, it's not like they don't have history before. They've wrestled against each other for the NXT title, so that in itself should be a good match because they both 
have history against each other, and they're both good in the ring. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But yeah, this, this felt like more of Carmelo in his head, more of a storyline, an angle match versus, you know, this felt like these two had beef, and now it's come to a head in this match, if that makes sense. Next up, the men's Iron Survivor Challenge match. Um, obviously, we kind of talked about this. Trick Williams gets the win coming out of absolutely nowhere. RKO style rowing off, I believe it was four straight pins. It had to be because he was he didn't even have a, a pinfall going into like at least the last four or five minutes of the match. And then all of a sudden, it's just like boom, 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 oh, boom, boom. I think it was. I think there was way less time than that. I think he had zero pinfalls with two minutes left. Sounds right. I think he, I think he got all four within like ninety seconds. Feels right. Neither here nor there. It was fun. No, this match don't get was me, fun. dude. Not get me wrong. Braun Breaker coming in and destroying motherfuckers. I was like, ooh, oh. that was amazing. Josh Briggs kind of stepping out from the shadows and getting Josh his Briggs. Getting Josh Briggs really, really stood out to yeah, me getting here. His Josh first Briggs really, really good. good. Yeah, Dijak was Dijak. You know, he, unfortunately, you know, his uh, feud with Eddie Thorpe came to bite him in the ass. So that was something that I didn't necessarily think was going to happen, but it did. So, you know, you had that. that was cool. No, it, in this scenario, you had other storylines come in and affect the match itself. Kind of way... Um, Metaphor uh, affected the the women's Iron Survivor match when they blocked the uh, the door so the the ladies couldn't get and, out. And, and can we just say this? That Braun Breaker coming in and cleaning the house, that motherfucker was in his bag. He like he knew exactly what he was doing, and he looked fucking really good doing it. He was when, badass. When he walked in there, all I could think of was uh, the Biggie Small song. Give me the loot. <laughs> Give me the loot. Uh, Give me the loot. I was thinking kicking the door. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. That should be some old joke. All you, all you heard was Papa Don't Yeet Me No More. No shit. He was <laughs> he just crushed these guys. And right then I was like, you know what? It's there is no reason for him to be here any longer. He has outgrown NXT. And it's not a knock against the NXT roster. Uh, he, he should I would I would I think would be cool. I was thinking about this uh the other day. Day when I watch NXT, I think it would be cool if Braun Breaker was like a Final Four in the in the Royal Rumble. The Final Four in the Rumble was like Cody, Punk, uh, Gunther, and Braun Breaker or something. That would be fucking bad. Oh, I just kind of got chilled. Like, oh fuck yeah, that would be badass. Yeet, 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 yeet. No, like I mean, he should make he should make his debut on the main roster at the Rumble. And no he no question about Rumble. it. I think him and Carmelo are both going to be in the Rumble in some form or fashion. I think. Let him loose. No, and at that point, they should stay on the main roster. Um, I know it's not; it doesn't feel like it's a lot of time to wrap up the Carmelo storyline, but New Year's Eve was Carmelo the first. Carmelo storyline got me pretty intrigued. No, I gotta no say, question. No pretty question. intrigued. Yeah, because every time I think I know I, the answer, it's not the answer I thought it was going to be. And I thought the I thought the ending of NXT Tuesday night was really good with Ilya, uh, Carmelo, and Trick in the ring. And Carmelo blaming Ilya and Ilya blaming Carmelo. And the crowd chanting, Melo did it. Yeah, that was Melo. Like, I was like, oh, that's pretty good, man. They got these people into it. No, they, they are definitely picking a side, and they're, or at least they're invested in the angle itself. And that's really all you can ever ask from the fans that are hey, watching it. Melo, Melo did it, though, right? Uh, 
uh, it's kind of looking a little guilty for my boy, but you know, he, he can, it. The fact that it he's really bl- like, the fact that he's blaming really, Dragon off, and you and you're pretty yeah. sure that he has nothing to do with it. That feels like deflection. I really feel like the original plan was Lexus King, and then Lexus King got on TV, and they were like, eh, maybe we shouldn't push this guy too far quite yet. JCB, you know they were like, you know you done fucked up, right? <laughs> you know you done fucked up. You said you bought a bottle of beer. At 1030? Yeah, yeah, it was about 1030. You know you done fucked up, right? right? Yeah. No, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't be, and this is the crazy part about it, at least in my head, it wouldn't surprise me if it was Lexus King. It wouldn't surprise me as Carmelo. That's how good this storyline is because they've given. It's not like the devil storyline AEW where you have four or five possible suspects. It's really two, and you still can't tell which of the two has done the deed. And in that scenario, yeah, left field. I don't think. Look, I don't see anybody else coming out left field at this point. For me, it's either. I mean, because. Could be like a main roster guy that they haven't even introduced yet. I hope it's not the case. I mean, to me, simple is best. And if you got the, if the way they're running this angle right now, I don't see a reason unless you really want to like make a splash with somebody on the main roster coming back. Like simple is best. Like when Rikishi was the one that ran over Stone Cold, and he said he did it for the Rock. Yep, that was so simple. Dumb, but simple. <laughs> Kevin Nash texted himself. Still mad about oh, that one. Jesus Christ. Still mad about that, that one. That was one of the worst payoffs of all time on WWE. Thanks a lot, Vince. That, I almost hate to forget that Vince even ran WWE for a while, and then we bring up silly shit like that. Next up, uh, Roxanne Perez versus Kiana James in a steel cage match. This was what it was. I think it was just in a, a spot where you had Trick Williams pull off the incredible win, and behind it you had the NXT title match. I wasn't necessarily too invested in it. The swerve at the end by Izzy Dame was okay. I mean, I didn't see it coming. I'd be lying if I said otherwise, but ultimately it didn't really do that much for me. I'm not saying this was the low part of the match or the night, but it definitely wasn't a match that I was really invested in coming into it. No, the I mean, didn't you, can, Go ahead. you can say it. It was, it was the low part of the night. I mean, you can say it. No, HBK Park, if you want to talk about the low point, that's what the low point was, and, it start, and that started yeah, the show. Yeah, more exciting than this. Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the title match. Title match, obviously, we have Barry Corbin versus Ilya Dragunov. Um, I like the fact that Barry Corbin actually came back and feels like he's invested in NXT. And he's trying to make the best out of this move, whatever. If this was his move to make, or they sent him down on, let's try this again, or the main roster sent him down on their own accord, neither here nor there. Baron Corbin has made the most of this, and this was one of the matches that I was really looking forward to the most. I thought this was probably the match of the night, arguably that or the men's Iron Survivor match. Either or, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Anyone saying either one of those two matches, Ilya pulls it off, and he had to really lay it down on Corbin to make sure that that motherfucker stayed down. And that's why I say all the time, when you get somebody down like that, you might as well just go ahead and pick up the the, the stake and stab it in the heart two, three, four times, and make sure he stays down. Two, three H bombs after the fact. 
Ilya Dragunov gets the win. It's, it's not a surprise, but I think this was this should be kudos to Corbin for a nice little feud ending in a loss. He kind of gets over in the feud because of the, at least in my mind how he he was built up in the feud. He had one of the few wins against Ilya Dragunov that you real you even see on NXT, and then he springboard that into a really good title match, even though it was in the loss. This was a badass match uh, between two badass competitors. I think Ilya Dragunov, you know, it's well documented what I think of him. I think he's one of the best workers in the company, bar none. Um, you know, I'm a huge Baron Corbin fan. I've loved this run in NXT, and uh, I hope that he stays down there for a little bit longer. I, I want to see him. Uh, I would love to see him and you know, Josh Briggs or fucking him and Dijak or something. Like, I think those could be fun feuds for him. I don't want to promote other podcasts, but Sam Roberts has an hour-long interview with Baron Corbin that came out, I think, this week, and it was uh, really good. Baron Corbin's a really interesting, fun dude to listen to talk about his entire run and him going back to NXT and how much he's enjoying it down there. He also lives in the area, so I'm sure that plays a huge part. Oh, and shit, yeah. He's doing good work, doing real good work. So, uh, right guy went over, should have been dragging off. I picked Baron Corbin because I'm so far back. And I, I mean, it just really doesn't matter who I pick at all. Um, so, uh, but, um, I love, I love this match. This was a, this was a nice little pay-per-view, nice little, uh, fun surprise on Monday morning. I was like, Oh yeah, I don't even know who, what happened there. I'll watch this. Uh, I'll watch this at work. It was fun. No, a good time it, with it. no, it was a solid pay-per-view. It was, it was a nice way to end the, the year. B, B. I give it a B. No, it was a, it was a B show. No question about it. Um, not a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Just falling a little short from an A. But NXT, I thought, has really, it's, it's, got, it's brought me back. In a time where I never thought I would watch NXT ever again once it rebranded, it's brought me back. So in that scenario, I have to tip my hat to... HBK, Triple H, the NXT brand, you know, whoever's in charge down there, I'll give them the credit. They have they brought me back in a scenario where I watch a ton of wrestling, but I still now I'm chalking out another two hours for NXT. So kudos to them. He watched a ton of wrestling. Let's get to that two count. One, two, three. All right, the two count is AEW television this week. There was a ton of it. Uh, we'll start with Rampage. I mean, not a whole lot going on on Rampage. Hobbs and Takeshita are a tag team. They take down Matt Seidel and Justice Daniels, which was kind of cool. Um, but what I want to talk about was Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson in the main event. It was about 15 minutes or so. Brian Danielson ends up going over. So I was wrong. But I thought I had that spoiler. Me too. Um, I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> Brian Dickinson goes over. What do you think about this match, Jason? Um, honestly, this felt like this could be the precursor of uh, Daniel Garcia making his voyage over to becoming a, a pro wrestler instead of a sports entertainer. Um, it was basically he came out, you know, the way he used to, you know, towel around his head, no no uh, nonsense, all business, and really brought the fight today uh, to Brian Danielson. Just the fact that unfortunately, it was just another one of those hard luck losses that Daniel Garcia has been booked throughout the uh, the Continental Classic with. Ultimately, I think this is this might be the match we have to start circling where 
if Daniel Garcia's character changes, this is the reason why he's, it's, he's changed. He's lost to his hero again. The guy that's been telling him that he should be a pro wrestler instead of being a sports entertainer. So maybe, maybe he listens to uh, Brian Danielson and goes down that road because this is the closest he's been to a, a dub in a while and it's going against, you know, somebody he really respects. So I'll, time will I'll tell. tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. Like, to get a match like this in the main event of the second most popular wrestling promotion, C-Show is really something. It shows you the kind of fucking era that we're living in. Like, the wrestling on AEW this week was fucking insane. Mm. And this kicked it off in a great way. I mean, this is what we wanted. This is, like, the best of AEW. Like, give me the fucking matches. No, um, it, it, was, it was long overdue that they put a Continental Daniel Classic Gar- match on uh, Rampage. Uh, Brian Danielson, his matches are always great. Danny Garcia looked fucking awesome in this. Uh, got a ton of offense. Um, Danielson made him look like a complete badass. Uh, and Daniel Garcia, uh, you know, he struggled, but he eventually danced a little bit. And I got to say, <laughs> I popped. Fuck. Yeah. Well, you, well, you have he to. Like, when he lifts up his arms, I was like, oh. He lifts up his arms with his, he, and then he starts dancing. It's like, fuck, yeah, dude. Let's do it. Let's do it. And I'm then, with him. But then, but then what Mark. happened? But then what happened? That was the it beginning of the end. So that's He's why I'm young. So, I know, no. I'm, He's learning. Good. He'll learn from a mistake. Good, good. We all did some stupid shit back in the day. Still do some stupid shit right now in the case of myself. All I'm saying is this. That is going to, that should be the fork in the road that makes Daniel Garcia question the dance. Not saying he shouldn't do it. Do it after the match. Knock yourself I'll out. I'll tell you what. When he's standing in the middle of the ring with Brian Daniels. And all the all the lights are shining on him, and he's in there, and he's got dancing down, and he starts dancing. Man, <laughs> this is the cheapest there is. <laughs> fucking, fucking horny Thursday. It's the horny Thursday. It's the cheapest drug there is. Good for him. Uh, so uh, we'll get into collision. We got Claudio versus Eddie Kingston uh, in the very first match. Claudio ends up going over. Wait, Claud- yeah, no. Claudio went over, right? No. No, Eddie Kingston went over? Yes. Huh. I wrote that down wrong. Uh, what do you think about this, man? Um, a- another classic Eddie. Obviously, I don't remember it very well. <laughs> another classic card, you know, Eddie match. Um, I love the fact that Eddie, before the, the show was even started, he was just like, yeah, come on, motherfucker. You know, I ain't got time for this shit. You... Eddie showed that's the, his whole character. But it, well, it it totally is. But it just it really his whole character is he hates the trappings of television, even though he has to wrestle on television. Um, it showed. Ooh, his yeah, des- I gotta do another one of these things. <laughs> it just showed the. Oh, desperation. you want me talking to the camera, Tony? Yeah, oh, right. What's, what's in what's in catering? You got nachos? Stop, Jesus Christ. <laughs> To me, it just showed you, really you got whoppers. You got whoppers and sweets for that bananas. <laughs> are we doing? Are we doing smash burgers again? <laughs> what do you got, bruschetta? Oh Jesus Christ! You motherfuckers are ate shit. Um, Baba goose. <laughs> Andy Kingston goes over. I do not remember. I do not remember how this match ended. So apologies. So much fucking wrestling. No, it was it was a solid match. It was a nice curtain jerker. Um, I like the fact that Eddie is going to at least stay alive in this. He's not going out like 
Mark Briscoe not going out like Jay Lethal, scoreless, getting, you know, being enhancement talent throughout. At least the guy that's putting up the two titles of the three is at least going to go out on his sword and have to live to fight another week. I'm not saying he's going to win next week. I doubt if he makes it to the semifinals, but at least he's not going out like no punk. Moxley cuts a great promo. Uh, Hook and Yuta have a backstage segment. Fucking shit looked like fucking community theater or some shit. Man, go brother Lord, man. I say, go brother's hey, trying to... Hook. Hey, Hook, I know that you got marbles in your mouth, dude, but just fucking trying to enunciate when you're on television? <laughs> God damn. You're like fucking Dick Cavett up here, the only about John Travolta or something. Like I'm playing cards with my brother's kids. Oh, no. Uh, Will Nightingale, Mercedes Martinez, Diamante, Chris Dadlander, uh, Daddy Magic, Angelo, and oh. Hager backstage. Sorry, I'm just reading through this. Uh, you, you don't want to say anything about any of this, do you? Oh, I totally thought about you when the crowd was uh, chanting Daddy Magic's name. I was like, Bill is getting ready to blow his fucking brains out over here. I swear to God. They were in, Can- they were in Canada. Actually, I thought he was okay. What? I'll admit, I thought, I, I mean, he didn't, he didn't bother me that much on commentary because he kind of dropped the accent a little bit. I, your- I thought he was decent. He didn't bother me on commentary. Do your impression of him. What is going on out here? <laughs> I, did, I wish I, I was there. Because like <laughs> I, I wanted to about to say, his, Vice is his eyes bugging out because that's that's the whole thing with Matt Menard. His eyes are the one. This is the thing that fucks me up because it's like you know his eyes are like bulgy and shit, and he talks with that accent. The accent doesn't bother me per se. I don't think the eyes bother me per se, but the fact that he does they both. Were- Dude, I mean, he, look, he looks like he walked into a surprise party all the fucking time. I can't believe that dude's Canadian. Like, he walks, every time they show him on camera, it's like, surprise! He's like, ah! <laughs> I just, he's like an extra in Ghostbusters. Hell that being no. said, I thought I, I thought he was decent on, uh, I thought he was decent on commentary. Uh, <laughs> Swerve has a backstage segment, also good. They're, they really mm-hmm. built up the Mox and Swerve thing no uh, well throughout no the doubt. night. Um, Wardlow, doesn't quite squash Willie Mack like he's a nobody, but it was he still pretty much squashed him. What you think about it, Jason? I'm I'm ready to to move on a little bit with Wardlow. I get it. Okay, you're trying to rebuild him back up, and you're going about it the same way you did it beforehand. But he's on a heel kind of heelish turn of some sort. I don't even know. At this point, I don't even care. Either name him as the number one contender because that's really the way that you get him back to being, you know, somewhat, not prominent, but just back on track. MJF and Wardlow have a connection. Whether or not TK wants to use that connection is is totally different, but Wardlow is no good without MJF. MJF can stand on his own. We we see that. Tony Khan has fucked up Wardlow to the point now where he has to kind of bring Wardlow back into that MJF orbit. And now how he does it is the biggest question. Is Wardlow a part of the, the Devil's Associates? It's so much just uncertainty around Wardlow. What he's doing in the ring, especially when he's doing stuff like this, doesn't even matter. I'd want to see storyline progression, character progression with Wardlow versus what he's doing in the ring. Because what he's doing in the ring ain't no different than what he was doing beforehand. 
Well, speaking of character progression, we have a House of Black vignette where they stand in a dark room and talk very, uh, talk very, talk very quietly at the camera. Uh, so what do you think about the character progression with uh, your boys? Um, I'm not sure why they think FTR wants to be a part of House of Black. I mean, that's this. I'll, I'll say this. There was this. I can see Dax wearing mascara. <laughs> I'm glad you can, because I, I would be mad as fuck if you did this. Um, it'd be like it'd be it'd be no fist, just fisting. <laughs> oh, oh, god damn. Um, Peter Rosenberg said something on his podcast. Uh, I guess it was a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, it's very recently. Doesn't matter. Basically, the gist of it was when AEW was first created, this was like the it still is the alternative. Um, Sorry. Um, when AEW was first created, I thought this was a. Did duct tape come off her mouth or something? No, I, I, I think was I, that? I, I think <laughs> I hit Siri accidentally. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, when AEW Watch was first created, yeah, sorry, was, you know, it's fat finger syndrome. I was trying to make sure, you know, the uh, we were still recording. Um, when, <laughs> when AEW was first created, created, it was an alternative to WWE, and the reason why we were so excited is because it wasn't. We didn't think it would be one guy running it the way Vince would run it. Tony Khan would come in. He would have people help him. And then we would have something that would be much more of a democracy versus a monarchy, so to speak. That hasn't really been the case. I mean, yeah, but do we know that Tony Khan is running a monarchy? Because he's got a lot of people backstage. He's got a lot of people in his ear. Like, I don't know if it's like, I mean, I don't know if it's like Vince. I'm not saying it's bad like Vince, but I think it's a one-man show. And I think some of the things that we see on TV indicate it's a one-man show. Storylines right, uh, story are consistent. Guys aren't consistent. I keep forgetting that uh, this is my count. Uh, so up next, we have uh, Ethan, Page, Ethan Page and Omega have a match. Uh, fun match. Good match. Omega goes over. Big Bill comes out and gives Omega a big boot. What do you think about this? Um, Ethan Page, and I said it watching uh, watching the match, he's one of the guys that I had some expectations coming over to AEW and has totally gotten lost in the shuffle. And it's a goddamn shame. Um, I thought this match showed his talent, but unfortunately now he's getting ready to go into a match versus Tony Nese on Final Battle in the I Quit match. I didn't even know. To- this was a total surprise to me when I heard this shit. I'm like, what the? Oh, Final Battle is coming up. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's that's interesting. So let's get this straight. So Tony Khan buys ROH and then basically makes it the farm system of AEW? I mean, I don't get this. That wasn't the way that at least I envisioned AEW or ROH coming back. To me, it was going to be a separate brand where you can keep, you know, a couple of tiles here and there and just have, you know, not the reliving of the good old days, but have another brand where guys like Ethan Page or Jay Lethal or Mark Briscoe can come over and have some success where you know they weren't going to have success in AEW. The fact that Tony Khan didn't even, 
I don't even feel like he even bothered to promote this. This feels like it is literally snuck up on me, and now I have to decide whether or not I want to watch this. There are some matches on there that, you know, that look intriguing. I would be lying if I said otherwise. Athena versus Billy Starks. BCC versus, um, what is it? Uh, shit. FTR and uh, Mark Briscoe. Shit. I'm down for that. But why haven't we heard anything about this leading up to this? This is why I would say that Tony Khan feels like he's doing it all by himself. This should be more of a deal versus, oh, it's final battle. It's the last ROH pay-per-view of the year. You know, shelve out your whatever dollars and come check it out. You haven't given me a reason to shell out money for it. Not saying I would. You know how I get down. We don't go into the legal bad channels. That being said, other people will go over and shell that money out for it. If they're going to do it, then give them a reason to shell out the money. Otherwise, let's just go ahead and just get rid of ROH. Because it is literally the farm system of AEW. Anybody that's been in ROH literally feels like they job out to anybody else on the ROH roster. Jay Lethal, Mark Briscoe. Yeah, they bring, they bring Dalton Castle. Uh, they bring these guys up from Ring of Honor, and anytime they're on AEW, it's like they're from an outside territory, and they're there to do the job. It it is really strange. I agree. I just like I said, I just don't get it. I know that if we're going to do the ROH predictions, that's great. But I'm going to promise you right now, this is going to be a bomb of bombs because I have really no idea what the fuck is going on in uh, ROH because it feels like once they took the ROH title away and you don't have the tag team titles, I mean, what am I watching for? And it's not even getting defended on the paper. It's so fucking weird. I just, it's like, they should have had if they, they should have had this tournament leading up to the true. finals of that pay-per-view. Agreed. That makes all the sense in the world. Especially when you have an ROH not, title involved. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the only reason I'm talking about it, is because whoever wins this tournament wins the ROH title. Right. So now hey. you're going to have somebody that wins this tournament, probably Moxley, it feels like at this point, because Moxley is like the a good cra- traveling champion, and he could go around the country with, with these three tiles and build up the prestige. That feels about right. But, I mean, damn. Hey, you know, hey Jason. Yeah, go ahead. Jason Cornelius, Jason Cornelius hell yeah. <laughs> this, is why we got this, this is why we got pre-rolls. Let's, okay. make those, let's, let's make those predictions. Well, I was going to Obviously, I was going to say we can wait to do that later if you wanted to. But I mean, I just I don't know. I just I'm just disappointed in the fact that ROH uh, had hopes for it. And now it just feels like this is it's not anywhere close to what it was or what it could be. That's just me. Daddy Magic and Angela Parker come out and they come out to a huge greeting, a huge Montreal ovation. Mm. For Daddy Magic and Big Ange, uh, who knew that Matt Menard was fucking Canadian? I had no idea, honestly. I'm, I'm sure I heard it. I just I never paid attention. He really does not seem Canadian to me at all. He, he, I was about to say this. He felt like a New Yorker to me, at least the way the uh, the accent was, the way he. That's you know, how the good the accent is. Yeah, the way his mannerisms were, the whole nine yards. I could have easily taken it for New York, New Jersey, and went even a blink. The fact that he's Canadian and pulls it off, I think that's credit to him. Unless he's from some weird place in Canada where they talk like that. I don't I guess that could exist. I don't know shit about Canada. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, I'm trying to go to Toronto next year, but that's about it. Yeah, rest and pancakes and maple syrup. <laughs> I mean, 
I love pancakes and maple syrup. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, but anyway, sounds like a plan, nigga. They end up jobbing out. They end up jobbing out anyway to Penta and Commander, um, which I'm cool with. And then we have Daniel Bryan, Brian, Brian Danielson versus Andrade. And Andrade ends up going over in a little bit more of a heelish way than uh, it looked like Garcia was willing to do. But Andrade really targeting the Orville opponent mm. and uh, just uh, really working the shit out of it. And Daniel Bryan selling it like he was dead. I always wondered if this was the orbital bone was a work or a shoot. That motherfucker is a shoot. As soon as he took that patch off, I was like, oh, oh, okay, so this is real shit. Okay, fair enough. I love the fact that Andrade went after it. Somebody should have gone after it. I said it last week. If you're going to come in with a bullseye on you, it's going to get targeted. And the fact that nobody else did it, that's shame on you. Kudos to Andrade. I know not a lot of people like Andrade outside of, let's say, the, the three of us in the BFR circle. Maybe uh, Vice likes Andrade. I'm not sure on that fact. But for me, this was long overdue. I've been waiting patiently for Andrade to get some sort of a push. Now that he's beating Danielson, he might we have a chance. Talk- Go ahead. We just talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I was, you and Zach were way down on it. You were like, nah, he's going back to WWE. Like, he's not going to get a push. He's there to do jobs. It's like, and I was like, yeah, I think there's, I think there's something in there for him. Dude, he wrestles in white jeans. White jeans with zippers. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, it's hella cool. You know he's not fucking around. Do I think he's going to win this tournament? No. Do I want him to do it? No. Okay. Should he no, be, able to be able to beat Brian Danielson on a given night? Sure. That's where I think in the grand This scheme, was a match they just had a few collisions ago, and Tony Khan had the announcers calling it a dream match. Right. And everybody was like, that's not a fucking dream match. Right. And I was sitting there thinking, like, well, I don't know. It seems pretty fucking dreamy. It, it, the only reason that it's not a, a quote-unquote dream match is because a lot of people are just so on down on Andrade. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what the problem is. And he had backstage heat or... There was word that he had backstage heat for some reason. I forget who he went after. Who did he go after? Uh, Sammy Garver- Sammy Guevara. That's right. Hey, where's Sammy Guevara? Uh, Tay Conte just had their baby uh, fairly recently, so I'm sure he's on uh, paternity leave, getting uh, getting her settled and all that other good stuff, becoming a dad. You know, I'm sure I'm sure he'll be back by the start of next year, if not by World's End, by 2024 he'll be back. And then, so, Andrade gets a big win there. And then we go into another uh, wrestling-heavy show, which is AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. Uh, Started off with a, dare I say, a great segment before Roderick Strong got involved. But (laughs) Joe, the Roderick Strong part, it was like, okay. I mean, him yelling Samoa was really funny. It was hilarious. I don't like that. It was fun. That's like what I yell across the house to my niece uh, when she's got Girl Scout cookies. I'm like, Samoa! (laughs) Samoa! Milk! (laughs) Milk! Mom! The Beagles! I'll tell you you what, though. When Joe was out there and he was starting to talk about how how somebody made him a liar because he couldn't protect MJF, and he went back there and he found the beer bottle and the whole place smelled like he said, quote, Stetson, Stetson and, and disappointment. disappointment. Woo! I, I fell on the floor. I'm like, God damn. 
I'm th- fire. As soon as he said that, I was like, how the fuck does Vince let this dude go? He is a walking, is- talking heat magnet. Anything he says can garner the heat that you are looking for and can get you invested in some shit. And he let him go. I'm like, man, that shit's crazy. I lost my damn mind. I was laughing my ass off. A very, very good line. Um, and it, like I said, a pretty good segment. Uh, then that, that goes into a match between Hangman Adam Page and Roderick Strong. Um, Roderick Strong ends up going over, I think, with some uh, chicanery. Am I right? No, uh, Hangman Page went over. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but there was chicanery, though. The kingdom got involved. Yeah, the, towards the end. But uh, ultimately, uh, Page ends up winning. Solid match. Don't I'll get me wrong. Um, I love the I love Roddy bringing out the fact that he was uh, he being Adam Page was uh, the young boy that Roddy Strong went in ROH. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> I was just like, oh I mean, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Good shit. I mean, to be honest, Hangman Page versus Roddy Strong is kind of a dream match to me. It's like I, there wasn't any stakes, but this is the kind of match that you want to fucking see. It was a nice curtain jerker, and it, and it kind of it brings in. The it brings in MJF without having to use MJF for the week because I'm sure he's still banged up. And you want him have him ready to go for yeah, yeah. Worlds in or whatever the case may be, and that's totally fine. So you still had MJF on the show, quote unquote, but you didn't even have to use him. It was immediately Samoa Joe, who is like I said, perfect in the opening segment where he basically was like, "Look, I didn't do my job protecting MJF, but I'm I'm basically." Just, I'm judge, jury, and executioner at this point. I'm not. He basically told Adam Page, "You lucky you standing right now. I should be dropping your ass." That was perfect. Hangman Page standing up to Joe it was like, you know, I thought you were a man. At least, uh, you know, I thought you were a man. I mean, the way that they both interacted with each other and didn't back down, I thought it was a really good start for the fucking uh, show. That's a match I want to see somewhere down the line. But obviously, we're gonna have to wait on all of that because there's some more hoops to jump when it comes to this double angle. When when the kingdom grabbed that sign from the crowd, oh, neck strong, was walking around the ring, yeah, Comedy. when they were walking around the ring with it, oh, boy was laughing like a motherfucker. Uh, they're they're I, so good. I, I like them versus liking Roddy in that th- the trio of uh, those three guys. Andrade seeing our Andrade El Idolo with his second great match in as many shows uh, goes Woo! over Brody King goes over Brody King um, Brody that, King is so badass that was so good yeah, yeah I, I like is, Brody King a lot kind of kind of a dream match uh, <laughs> what <laughs> what do you think about this match honestly I, th- I was surprised that uh, Andrade won I, th- I thought that Brody King was this was a chance to and I'm not saying he's not going to win the uh I think this is the Blue League or whatever. I'm not saying he's not going to win it. This is anyone can win it in that in that scenario. Realistically, the uh, the Gold League is down to what uh, Switchblade, Swerve, and and Mox. Um, I thought Brody King was honestly going to win this match. I was a little surprised that, uh, and I know I didn't say this, but maybe you or Zach said it that Malachi Black wasn't the one representing the uh the house of black in this thing but brody king i thought was a good person to do so because he kind of needs a little a little push if you didn't watch roh as 
uh, Brody King as a singles guy before the pandemic, then you kind of really don't know what you're walking into. But now this, with these runs of matches, even in a loss here, I thought Brody King has kind of really stood out as a singles competitor. Now, from this point, you've already done the trio. So, I mean, you're going to have to figure out what you want to do with Brody King. Is he going to be the stand-up you know, singles lead guy for House of Black, or you're going to go to fall back to Malachi Black. Either way, at least you got options in this scenario. The fact that Brody King lost isn't the worst thing in the world. I mean, hell, he lost to Andrade, you know. So in that scenario, I think it's good. Good thing that Andrade did get back-to-back wins. At least you know it keeps the Blue League competitive. Where now you know you're going to have to watch to the very end because now these matches are going to start really counting here in a little bit. Orange Cassidy with the Von Eric family uh, backstage. Talk about this while I go grab a drink. Um, Holy shit. So the Von Erics are promoting their movie, The Iron Call, coming out. I believe it's the 22nd, sounds right. Um, honestly, yep. I, I want to go see that. I think that I was a, a Von Eric big boy fan when uh, – when I was a kid and when they were on, uh, I think it was like Channel 30 locally, it was uh, World Class Championship Wrestling. It would come on Sunday mornings. And uh, Ric Flair would always go down there and he would uh, wrestle the Von Erics. And you had guys like uh, Rick Rude came out of there, uh, Sting, uh, before he was Sting, uh, Ultimate Warrior before he was Ultimate Warrior. So, I mean, you had a bunch of guys coming out of Texas in that scenario to uh, have you – Get eyes on the world class championship wrestling promotion, neither here nor there. So, Devon Eric's are being interviewed by Renee, and Orange Cassidy comes out with Dan Housen <laughs> and uh, Trent, and he asks, So fucking weird. He asked Devon Eric's to be his partner for this week's rampage for tomorrow night. And, inc- and I'm so glad that somebody said it because Trent's like, Dude, what the fuck? You know, we're standing right here, you know. <laughs> we, can't, why can't we be your parties? You know, we're supposed to be the best friends. He's like, yeah, you know, these guys are from Texas. Trent, the, the, the Trent didn't protect. look like he was acting in that segment either. <laughs> Trent looked like he, like Trent was like, why can't I get a TV match? He, he looked like he just found out. I like can, been, I can actually him. wrestle. I can really wrestle. Right. right? Trent Beretta can really wrestle. And, uh, yeah. But um, this is, I mean, e- even uh, – Devon Eric still have more charisma than Hook and Wheeler Yuta together, if you ask me. Ooh. But um, <laughs> let's talk about the Golden Jets God with Ricky Stark. Damn. I what? know, they're, they're making popcorn right now and catching shots in the in the calves. Okay. The Golden Jets, the Golden Jets ah. uh, have a segment. <laughs> so Jericho and Kenny Omega, <laughs> Kenny Omega dressed like, Suzanne Summers in a fucking Buns of Steel video, Thigh Master video. Hell Comes no. out. Thanks for dressing up, Kenny. God You're on damn. television. This motherfucker. God You're on damn, fucking television, dude. Kenny. Anyway. <laughs> they start cutting shit. a promo. Ricky Stark and Ricky Stark and Big Bill come out to interrupt him. And I gotta say. I'm enjoying this Ricky Stark's Big Bill act, but I gotta ask, and I texted you guys this earlier today, because Jericho and Omega went in on Ricky Stark in a way that seems kind of shoot. Remember when Edge got pissed off at Ricky Stark and yep. started cutting him off? Yeah, they really went after him. I mean, they. Re- I forget though. Uh, Jericho said like three or four things in a row where I was like, "Oh my god!" But when he called him a 
an Enzo Amore with less charisma or whatever. I was like, geez. Yeah, that right. was the one where I was like, hmm, shots fired, I see. Um, you, uh, give it up for Ricky Starks, though. He kept his composure and did not he did not get rattled this time at all. He no. was really good. I thought Ricky Starks was the highlight of this segment. This was not a good segment. Do you think it was do you think it was Ricky Starks just showing, hey, I can play with the big boys? Like this I you want to put me here? I think he okay, did a, let's do I it. think he did let's a better job of it tonight than he did against Edge. And I think Big Bill was amazing. Big Bill he's always that he was just like give it to me. That's my man. I want that shirt. I don't know yeah, if by the way, BFR Nation. Yeah. Right. That shirt. I don't know if um if there's heat between Jericho and Omega, but I do agree that there was something a little spicy about their interaction, especially when Jericho was the one that was going in and the Enzo Amore line was like, you know, the, the the chef's kiss of the at the end of it. I was like, oh, OK, you went there, motherfucker. God damn. Um, honestly, I don't know if how well Ricky Starks is liked in AEW. And I don't think you I don't think you have to be liked per se. You have to. I think you need to be respected. Versus being I guess white. what I'm at, I guess what I'm asking is is why do all these old why do all the fifty year olds <laughs> and Kenny Omega hate Ricky Stark? I have no idea. Um, I've, I've never, see, you know, as the guy that watches so much fucking wrestling like I do, uh, I mean, I don't watch as much as you, but I watch a fuck ton of wrestling. There is something different about when the way that Jericho was going in on Ricky Starks last night. I thought I thought it was. I, thought, I was like, Jesus Christ! Am I over? Am I overselling it? No, I don't think you're overselling it. I, I think there was there was there's something now. How much is it? I don't think it. I don't know because I mean, I tell you what, it, it made it, it fun. Don't, don't get me wrong. At, at least it made it real fun. Yeah, it, at least made the the segment that was starting to get a little clunky when they were trying to come up with names for the team. I was like, okay, y'all need to oh just stop it. God, stop. that was so bad. Yeah, that, and then what he came up with was Big Bill Starks. Yeah. All right. Okay. That is, stop it. Was that a joke? Was do you think he listens to the podcast? Do you think that that was a joke about how it's like swerving our glory and naturally <laughs> limitless? <laughs> I would you think Jericho it. is stealing that bit from us? Yeah, we'll wait on that truck. Yeah, I was getting ready to come, say, whenever come, you want to... Come find us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Banton from Ringside Podcast is, is good enough. We'll figure it out from there. Um, yeah, come, come find my bank account. Yeah, no shit. It's it's a fucking U.S. bank. Um, I don't, honestly, I just think that... <laughs> honestly, I think that was just them going off the cuff and just nothing working and especially with Chris Jericho being the one that was trying to come up with stuff and Kenny playing you know come on I know you can do better than that it just that's when his that segment really started to go sideways and this is where I think you know Ricky Starks you know did you know what seemingly like the the other guys the the veterans should have did was you know got it back on track and you know let's focus on you know the title the fact that we don't like y'all y'all don't like us and we're gonna have to beat y'all at world's end at the end of the month i thought ricky starks looking forward to that match though ricky starks saved that segment for sure i don't think he saved it but he did his best it was not a good segment no Uh, it it was not very good Agree to disagree. Fair. Um, Riho and Ruby Soho have a match, and uh, Tony Storm is on commentary. This was 
a pretty okay segment. Um, Tony Storm doing work. Uh, what do you think? Tony Storm doing work. I mean, outside of that, I, you know, I just, it's Tony, just one match a week, you know. What work, is it? Work, Thir- work. 34 work, work, women work. on the roster, and you probably see like four or five a week. I mean, come on. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot you're still doing this. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to let this ride, man. I'm sorry. This is why I would I pray to God that Sasha Banks don't go to AEW. You can go back to the WWE if you want to. At this point, that's probably the safer bet because Tony Khan will fuck her up within months. Wardlow uh, has a little vignette. Not much to say there, but they're reminding you that MJF is his primary target. Like He still just has a mind about MJF. Which makes me think that he's not the devil. Um, but also, when the devil got out of the car at the end, like it didn't look to be as big as Wardlow. Hell so, no. Um, um, but anyway, uh, then we have Roosh versus Lethal. Roosh goes over in less than five minutes. The quickest match of the tournament thus far. God damn. Pro- probably should have happened. They're pushing Roosh, and uh, Lethal is there to eat pens. He is Takahashi. Uh, what do you think of this match? The fact that you have one of the most decorated ROH champions, TV and world champions, lose in five minutes is an absolute travesty, period. Tell me about it. Well, I mean, I just don't get it. You know, why... Why even put Jay Lethal in this? If you're going to do somebody dirty, you know, you got a whole roster in the back that would love to be on TV for whatever it is now, three, four weeks. You know, I'll take an L just to be on TV. Why, why are we doing Jay Lethal like this? I mean, let's say he breaks off from the, uh, the Jeff Jarrett Society or whatever the fuck you calling him. Then what? <laughs> I mean, you you fucked him up to the point where now he doesn't have value. We can't watch Daniel Garcia and Jay Lethal do the same storyline. One of them has to have the redemption arc. I'll let Daniel Garcia do it. Jay hey, Lethal I'll, has just I'll, been done dirty. I'll stop you when you're telling lies. <laughs> I mean, look, to me, this is just, it's pretty simple. This should have been more than five minutes and if it were going to be like that, just put it on a different show because this this should have been a really good. You got two former world nah, champions. See, this is where I disagree. Like it's a tournament. Like there's room for mat. There's room for five in the matches. Like they can't all. Like not every single G one match goes the same amount of time or goes sixteen minutes. Like there's plenty of like seven six minute matches in there. Okay, so basically what you're it's telling me. So basically what you're telling me is that if Okada and Naito had a five minute G one match, you would be okay with this. I'm saying that Okada and Naito are not the same as Lethal and Roosh. Okay, That's well then you, like I mean Give me two former IWGP champions, because that's basically what this is. And oh, Roosh. so you're just saying it's disrespectful because they should both be bigger deals. Jay Lethal shouldn't be losing in five minutes. Period. He's old. Get, get the fuck out of here, dude. I don't even want to hear that shit. When he, they, they first part ROH, they championed Jay Lethal as, you know, he's the longest rated, you know, 
well, TV champion of all time. You know, that, that was a huge deal. Me lately. Bum, 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 hey, bum, bum, look, if Tony would book him halfway yeah. decently, we wouldn't bum, have this bum, problem. Bum, bum, you got him stuck around with fucking Sotnam Singh and fucking Jeff Jarrett shit. What have you, you done for me lately? Bum, you can't bail the water bum, off the Titanic bum, any faster than Jane Lethal is doing right now. That's all I can say. JCB is all mad because they're like the same age. <laughs> no, they're not. Jason's way older. Fuck Jason's you. probably 11 years older. Fuck you. Uh, we had another Gary Payton. Another Continental Classic match with Mark Briscoe versus Jay White. Jay White goes over. What do you think about this match, Gene? Um kind of the same thing. Mark Briscoe playing the sport where he's trying to play the sport where he can't do it. Um, Switchblade goes over. I think this was just important to keep Switchblade looking strong coming off the MJF loss. Now he, like I said, between him, Swerve, Mox, one of the three still feels like Mox is going to win the Gold League. I'm just glad that, you know, at least now – especially with heels. I'd like to see heels win clean and that kind of establish them as a good wrestler. What in my mind, what a good wrestler is. He doesn't need, you know, the bang, bang gang to help him out. It's like, you know, I miss them terribly, but unfortunately, you know, the rules are the rules. And that being said, I like the fact that Jay White and other heels are getting the job done by themselves, whether they are winning fair or not. Here's the thing. Like, Briscoe is another guy that is there to take losses. Like, it sucks that Briscoe and Lethal are there taking losses. They should be bigger deals. But if those guys are to be bigger deals, you can't stack the tournament so hard. Like, the tournament is just stacked. There are lots of guys in the tournament that shouldn't be taking L. It didn't surprise me that White went over. In fact, it was like a no-brainer when you saw them line up against each other. So, I mean, but still, this match was really fun to watch, man. No, it was good. Uh, I like Mark Briscoe. Uh, uh, the fact that you're going to have him in FTR versus uh, Blackpool Combat Club on a, a final battle, it's it's a match that I'm curious to see. Uh, maybe that's the the future move for Mark Briscoe, teaming with FTR for uh, a trio's uh, title run of some sort. Uh, we haven't seen um, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn for a while. Maybe that's the thing going forward. Um, Gates of Agony will probably come back from Japan from now, so there's an avenue there. But that's the the one thing about this Continental Classic that, at least in my head, for guys like uh, Mark Briscoe, who I was getting ready to say Jay, but um, the RH title is the one title that, you know, fans really wanted him to have especially after his brother passed and now that's it's looking less and less likely that's going to happen the tv title is in limbo so i mean in this scenario mark briscoe in turn is limbo so uh, i'll be curious to see what happens after the continental classic but right now like you said it's just a uh, god i just hope he scores him and jay Lathan. and then and then finally, the main event of the week, uh, they did a great job building it up, and it looked stacked on paper. It lived up to it. Swerve versus Mox, I liked the finish, which was kind of a cheap roll-up finish. Uh, jerking the tights, uh, Moxley goes over Swerve. What do you think about this match and the booking decision? I thought the match was really good, no question about it. It was worth the hype. It was worth the, the whatever the four or five minute uh, extra time given to the match so we can 
you know, see it in its entirety and let it play itself out. I would be lying if I said I was a little disappointed that Swerve didn't go over, but it's not a huge surprise. I mean, Mox is the ace of AEW, even though he doesn't wear the title. He's easily the the strongest booked of anyone on the roster. I don't think there is a question about that. The only silver lining is that, you know, Swerve can get a chance to see him in the semifinals so we have a chance to run this back. I don't have a problem with the decision. Like I said, I get it, but this is why I was, I've been saying it for a while. I have to see Tony pull the trigger on Swerve. Maybe this isn't the trigger that he pulls it on. Maybe it's MJF. Even still, I would have to at least see Tony make those moves because Tony's always been kind of, you know, mercurial when it comes to his pushes. He'll push the shit out of you. The next thing you know, you're Britt Baker. We ain't seen you in weeks. So um, the match was great. It was well worth the wait for the two, two or three days leading up to this. But I, I, like I said, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little disappointed. Um, yeah, I kind of wish Swerve was, was going to go over. Um, it would have been a huge win for him, but Moxley was definitely the favorite. Uh, Swerve was protected at the end, that's though. That's what I was going to say, yeah. And if there is anything to, to walk away from, take away from it, is that Moxley, you know, had to pull into the, uh, the bag of fuckery to get it done. So it protects Swerve, but now we're going to have to see what happens next week. Is this just a momentary stay of execution or does Swerve win next week to stay alive? All right. Uh, that is a ton of AEW. Let's get to that three count. One, two, three. JCB, what's the three count? Three count. We're going to talk a little main roster WWE. We'll, let's jump over to SmackDown first. Um, Santos Escobar versus Dragon Lee opens up SmackDown. Uh, Santos Escobar get, takes the win. This is obviously the night before deadline, so a part of me was a little surprised that they even had these two wrestling against each other. I figured you wanted to keep Dragon Lee as strong as possible going into the Dominic Mysterio match. Santos was probably the one that needed to win a little more between him and Dragon Lee because he just obviously flipped heel and is needs to be established as a heel a little more. Santos gets the win. I thought this was a pretty good match. Nothing crazy. Um, just a little surprised that they even put these two together to uh, even open the show. Um, Randy Orton and Nick Aldis have a uh, interaction backstage where he pays twice the amount of the fine for dropping Nick Aldis the week before. Obviously, he says that he's going to probably end up doing it again. So, you know, keep this uh, $50,000 check for you just in case I have to drop you again. Nick Aldis is going to be a uh, it's going to be the opposite of what. Adam Pierce is when it comes to the authority figures. Adam Pierce feels like he's more of the straight by the book. I don't play favorites. I'll I'll be surprised if you don't see Nick Aldis be the opposite GM and somehow, some way, start fucking with Randy Orton, especially if he drops him again with another RKO. Any thoughts on the first two segments? No, I gotta admit the only part that I saw SmackDown was the Punk promo. Um. Well, let's talk about it. shit. Well, let's just go like this. In order. He just named a bunch of names. 
You don't have any thoughts? That's th- all he did. That's it? Don't have any other thought on it? Well, everybody was like, well, this was a better promo than the one on Raw. It's like, was it? It's like, did he really say anything? He really didn't say anything again. I thought that it really heated up on Raw. I thought Raw was good. What's your nickname for him? What is DMC? Corny motherfucker punk. <laughs> I'm not saying I did. The only reason it was like ooh and ah because he, what names were said, he kind of gave an opinion. Outside of that, I don't think he did anything. Yeah, and he made that little joke about uh, punching somebody back the stage or something. Okay, and that fell flat. Outside yes, of that, did. I was just like, okay. I mean, I get it. If it, it feels like this is punk, but I, this then it still felt like he was holding back a little bit, and it it was nowhere near as good as the Monday night segment between him and Seth Rollins. I thought that was, you know, so let's talk about TV. Let's talk about that. I thought that Seth Rollins was tremendous in that segment. Once again, the same way when Cody came back, he had a problem with that. Same with Punk's coming back. Now he's got a problem with that. I love the fact that it's now Seth feels like he's the voice of reason. You know, you can't go around and leave the company rip us you know rip us to shreds and now come back and say this is your home this ain't your home no more i don't know if it ever was to begin with in that scenario so i, I love the fact that seth is i guess the uh, the gatekeeper of wwe in, in two different circumstances obviously it didn't work so well with cody let's see if it works a little better with punk i thought this was literally must see tv and didn't move an inch until the, the segment was over with i was that riveted into it yeah, it was the right two guys in the ring at the same time. It was uh, Seth uh, definitely said some shit that felt true. Mm. You know, like he was. I think that Seth was uh, kind of shooting there. He meant uh, he meant that shit. Oh yeah. oh yeah, because Punk really did go out and just try to destroy WWE. That was his whole purpose, and that's exactly what Seth says. Um, tremendous, though. I don't know if this is going to go until WrestleMania. Um, but they're obviously not fighting at Royal Rumble, so I guess it's kind of got to. I oh, mean, yeah. this is your WrestleMania match, right? Night one. Yeah, this is definitely happening at WrestleMania. Now, how we get there, because uh, somebody was asking me, you know, how do, you, how do we get there, you know, and I was like, well, obviously Cody and uh, CM Punk are going to have to be two of the last four and maybe even the last two. And then, then from that point, I would not be surprised that we see a a Bret Hart was it was it Bret Hart and Lex Luger over at the same time. Um, obviously, we did the uh, the banged up where Cena and Batista hit the floor at the same time. I would not be surprised yeah. to see a ending to the to the twenty twenty four Royal Rumble where Punk and Cody both hit the floor at the same time. So that way, you have at least an avenue for both guys to get. Oh, what I hope they for. don't overbook it like that. I, it's a little too cute, right? I, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't I don't like the idea, but when I think when Punk was, wins the Rumble, I think that would be. I wouldn't have a problem with that because, especially if Cody won last could year, Cody winning two years in a row, though, too. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's. <laughs> It's a lot of avenues. It's a lot of options. To me, if I if you made me put money on what I would think would happen, I would say that they would go back and have both guys hit the four on the same time, so that way they both have. You would put money on that. 
Like, that's what you think is the leader in the clubhouse as to what's going to happen? Give him odds. Give him odds. Um, I just don't, I don't feel strongly either way about Punk winning the Rumble. If he did, he would, he would be coming in later. He would be like a 20-something number. Cody winning it last year almost feels like it would be hey, you know a what to win it two years in a row. You know what fucking rules? The Royal Rumble. Yeah, I've always been a Royal Rumble Thanks fan. for that shit. Yeah, that, that, Royal Rumble is always great because you, ju- you just don't know who's going to come out. And the reaction to when fans see fill in the blank always intrigues me. Um, I don't know. I mean, what? Two to one? Three to one odds? I don't know. I'll take those odds. I just, I guess, a million I just, dollars. Ten thousand bucks. I just said I just don't have a good twenty thousand dollars. Right, fair. Okay, yeah, we're on. Um, I just I don't I don't have a good feeling about this yet. Obviously, we got a month to, to let it play itself out, but both guys are barking the same message. I need to win the Royal Rumble, and only one guy in theory can win the Royal Rumble. We'll see what happens. If I'm wrong, then fuck it, I'm wrong, nigga. But I just, I just think this is the way to, to kind of get I mean, them out of a... It feels like no, they're I'm booking saying, themselves into saying, a corner. Man. I'm just saying, man, WWE has a lot of big matches they can set up. I cannot wait for him to go with Kevin Owens. Is Lester going to fight? I cannot. I would be a little surprised. The, if he, uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't in the Rumble. And Gunther takes him out, and then we have Gunther Brock Lesnar. That w- uh, that's a rumored WrestleMania match. Woo! Give it to me. Mm. That sounds major. Yeah. <laughs> uh-uh. Have have uh-uh. Gunther dropped the, the IC title at somewhere after the the Rumble, maybe even beforehand, and then build him up for uh, Brock at, for uh, Mania. That sounds like legit. That's a night hey, one let me- fucking mid card match. That would be legit. Well, no, I can't be back on. I have to open it. Well, no, it'd be the curtain jerker because you know yeah, Brock is first to last. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's like, no, no, we're we're, we're going first. I'm on the. They're fighting on the pre-show. I'm out. Yeah, right. They're fighting on. They're fighting <laughs> on Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> um, let Let me ask you about this. Uh, the last The last segment of Raw was Cody and Shinsuke, and Shinsuke hits him with the mist, and. Uh, I kind of, I kind of raise my eyebrows at the Creeds being the ones to come out and save Cody. That says to me that they are really behind the Creed. Oh yeah, and I, I don't think there is a question behind that. Uh, the Creeds, I think, could be easily the one to dethrone uh, Judgment Day. Whenever I think that's next week. Is that match coming up next week or two weeks? It's coming up. I know it is. I just can't remember what it is, when it's going to happen. Um, wouldn't be surprised if the Creed's won. Obviously, it's been a hard push since they got into the main roster. I was a little surprised, too, that the Creed's were the one to come out and make the save. But like you said, there's clearly a plan for them. So in that scenario, having them save one of the biggest, if not the biggest baby face on Raw, I think is a good way to you know endear them to the fans. And I'm going to ask you this for the second week in a row. Is it a good good idea to have our truth in segments with the Judgment Day? 
probably not, but Hell I mean, I yeah. would, <laughs> but, I'm like, yeah. but I'm laughing my ass off anyway. So what? I mean, what does it really matter? It's good. Our truth is is a is a nice levity point for anybody, and the fact that he can break anyone's, you know character whatever you want to call it when he made brock lesnar crack that's when i knew how funny our truth really truly is if he wants if they want to put him on judgment day segments by all means knock yourselves out all right uh what else do you want to talk about with the main roster anything uh, i've already brought the read yeah i was going to say um Drew beats uh, Jey Uso on the curtain jerker of uh, Raw. Thought that was a nice little uh, segue for Drew. Now he's going to be getting another uh, title shot. As it sounds like here coming up in a little bit. Um, Bronson Reed beats Ivar in the battle of the super heavyweights. I want to see this go one more time. I'll be lying if I said otherwise. I think uh, Bronson Reed and Ivar have a, a nice little chemistry going, and I would be uh, remiss if I said I didn't want to see this one more time. Obviously, we talked about Shinsuke and Cody closing the show. Imperium loses to DIY and the mystery opponent, which is The Miz, which is a little ironic considering how, I guess, how little – Johnny Gargano and The Miz got along in the past. Now they're going against Imperium. I guess that really just proves that, uh, you know, you can make uh, friends, I guess, an enemy that we all have in common. In this case, Imperium is the enemy that they have in common. Outside of that, a um, couple of Cleveland guys. A couple of Cleveland guys, even though Miz keeps screaming uh, L.A. Um, they should be a tag team with Drew Carey as their manager. Oh, Jesus Christ, stop. Um, the Cleveland Indians. Ooh, you ain't shit. <laughs> uh, Becky Thank and you. Naya. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah. I hear that's open. <laughs> Becky and Naya do their <laughs> thing. I mean, uh, this was a good week for uh WWE main roster, nothing really noteworthy per se. Shinsuke and Cody, I think, to, to me, was the biggest rep match noteworthy of the main roster. But to me, uh, when you have Seth and CM Punk in the ring with a one on one face off, I think that was obviously the biggest story from the WWE main roster and where that's ultimately going to go. Well, and those two went hard, too. Like, it, it, like, it felt personal you know what i mean no without question and like and i don't have a problem with that and that's i guess i see a lot of people making you know fun of about tk about this online or whatever you know punk hey, and hey. Uh, son well i mean look i'm not saying i punk, agree with it. it i'm just punk saying that, grab your crew bring your click hey look Let's wwe is at least putting you know guys that apparently don't like each other in a spot where they're going to make money. TK didn't do that. And that's where you can at least see a difference. There was money to be made if Punk and the Elite could have just stopped acting like a bunch of little kids and just played nice in the sandbox. Wait a minute. You're putting that on TK? Uh, what did I miss? How long was I gone? What are you putting on TK now? I'm not putting anything on TK. I'm just saying that there was an opportunity to miss to make some money with Punk still being in AEW if everybody could have played nice in the sandbox. TK gets a little blame. Punk gets some blame. The Elite gets some blame. There's plenty of blame to go around. Yeah, so, like, he didn't just act like a complete and total fucking narcissist bitch and uh, walk his way out of there. Because it's basically what he did. 
I mean, all they did was fight, literally, twice. Look, I'm not saying, like I said, Punk gets a blade, you too. Gonna, you without question. Shut the fuck up? You think he's going to be, you think he's going to uh, shut his mouth now? I, like I said, I want to see what what happens when he doesn't get his way. Because usually that's what, I, I'll, I'll bring the man up. Draymond yeah, Green is the guy that I think of when yeah, I think I of like CM yeah. Punk. That when he doesn't get his way, shit starts going left. That to me is CM Punk. What up, turd? So in that scenario, I want to see what happens when CM Punk doesn't get his way. Let's say he doesn't get to WrestleMania, main event WrestleMania this year. Then what? Will he start hey, being the malcontent that we all know? He should job the Fandango. In that situation, I'm more like Bart Scott because you know what? Can't wait. <laughs> I don't know. We're going to be Porter? waiting for that, man. Shit. I'll say that's a. Uh, I think that's a done deal, man. I just, I just don't know how they get there, but I, I would be really oh, surprised yeah, yeah. if they, if Punk does not main event night one against Seth Rollins at WrestleMania this year or next What's year. What's the Joey Porter gift? What oh, is? There's a Joey Porter gift too. It's not the can't wait, can't wait for Scott. It's not Joey Porter. Yeah, he's with the Jets. They're going to play New England. Can't wait. Yeah, I was okay. say, right. yeah, that was that's totally Bar Scott. It was good to say that they just beat New England and they were on the way to play Pittsburgh, and that's when he was like, "Can't wait, can't wait." What is? Uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, WWE main roster? Can't wait. <laughs> no, we're good. That's gonna do it for our three count. One, two, three. Okay, so uh, you know what. <laughs> Let's do some predictions. Oh, shit. Uh, because I am so far behind, and I have no idea what's going to happen here, this is a good chance for me to catch up. Be- <laughs> hey, 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 shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot. shoot, or shoot. I'm just going to go crazy here. So we have a six-way match. I forget what this is for. Uh, Dalton Castle versus Commander versus... Kyle Fletcher versus Lee Johnson versus Lee Moriarty versus TBD. Holy shit. So I'm going to go from my most likely to win to least likely. I'm going to go TBD at one. I'm going to go Dalton Castle at two. Kyle Fletcher at three. Commander at four. Lee Moriarty at five. And Lee Johnson at six. Jason, who you got? Wow. Um, I, I wish I. It's, 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 honestly, it does. Yeah, I that's what I was going to say. What the winner gets. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it, you know, that would All at right, least help a, a little bit. Um, this is a survival of the fittest finals for the vacant World, Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Okay, so the winner becomes World TV Champion. Um, okay, um, you said. I'll switch to Lee's. I'll go Lee Johnson, least likely. Lee Moriarty, next likely. Um, you said Dalton Castle, Kyle Fletcher. What was the third guy? Commander. Commander. Let's go Commander. Let's go Commander at four. Kyle Fletcher at three. Dalton Castle at two. TBD at one. God damn it. That's exactly what I had. Okay. Fuck. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, we have Keith Lee versus Shane Taylor in a singles match. I'll go first here. Uh, no, I went first last time. Go ahead, Jason. Honestly, this is part of the reason why I was mad about this whole damn pay-per-view because this is a match that goes back into the archives of ROH before Keith Lee even left to come to WWE. Him and Shane Taylor were partners, and then he left, and that's where Shane Taylor still has beef about it. I like the, Shane, the fact that Shane Taylor holds grudges like nuggets just like I do. So in that scenario, I know he's probably going to lose, but I'm picking Shane Taylor to take the dub. Jesus, fuck. I took Shane Taylor also. I will pick Keith Lee to lose all the time. He's there. He always loses. <laughs> we I'm won't lose Shane this time, watch. <laughs> we have uh, Ethan Page versus Tony Neese uh, in an I, I quit, quit match. match. Uh, apparently, this has been brewing for a long time on Ring of Honor. I've never heard of it. I'm taking Ethan Page. Um, I do remember one of the last episodes I did watch of ROH. Uh, this was the start of the feud, and now obviously this is going to be the blow off. I quit match. Um, I would like to think Ethan Page is going to win. Um, I'm just not totally convinced, but I'll take Ethan Page regardless. So we're right down the middle. Okay, so FTR and Mark Briscoe versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, the Blackpool Combat Club here is Danielson, Moxley, and Claudio. Oof. That makes me think Wheeler Yuta is going to be the TBD in that ROH TV title match. And he's he's already a pure it. champion. I mean, damn, he's going double dip? Yeah, the, yeah, but it doesn't matter. He's an AEW guy. I, that TBD is going to be an AEW person. And he's fours and fours and fours. <laughs> fours <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, this is a this is a Jay Briscoe Memorial Fight Without Honor match. So this is the Jay Briscoe Memorial match. I'm gonna have to take Jay Briscoe and FTR. Uh, who do you got? Or sorry, Mark Briscoe and FTR. I was gonna uh, say Jason? shit. Jay Briscoe coming my bad, up. Yeah. My, my bad. My bad. I did not know this was R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, I did not know this was a memorial match <laughs> to Jay and uh, Honor Without Rules fight. So basically, this is just going to be an absolute bloodbath shit show. Um, it, you got to take the, you got to take Briscoe and FTR, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, right. You got to take them. You got to take them. You got. I, I would love to see uh, we, the BCC witness, motherfucker. I'll be lying if I said otherwise. We have Athena versus Billy Starks in the ROH Women's World Championship. Uh, Jason, who you got? Yeah, buddy, who you got? I have been the, the tooting the Athena horn for quite some time all year long. As far as I'm concerned, she is my Women's Wrestler of the Year, and I mean in all promotions, stardom included. That being said, Billy Starks is the next coming. I'm just not sure that this is the time to do it. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to take Athena to retain. Yeah, I already wrote it down. I have Athena also. Uh, she's too good. She's too strong uh, right now. I have no idea what I'm talking about because uh, I never watched the, pro the uh, product. So <laughs> I'm taking Athena. Uh, and then we have Kingo versus Black Taurus. Horny Thursday. <laughs> In a singles match for the AAA Mega Championship, Bakingo versus Black Taurus. Uh, I'll take my man. <laughs> Best wrestler on planet fucking Earth. 
Man, you ain't I've shit. I've been with him the entire time. The entire time, everybody. God, I wish I could. The fi- entire time. I want to go back and find that clip where Gritter, where you was running him down. It was. I mean, it would. It would have been. It would have been the P, a PWI episode. So you just have to look up PWI and figure out the the next podcast. He's he's, he's been this guy from way back. That would like, be it. way back. Yeah, one of these days, I'm going to have to go back and, and find that motherfucker because that, would, to me, is one of the, the funniest takes to hear then. And now you say this, like, you know, hey, that's my nigga right there, boy. I couldn't go. Yo, man, your ass did a, your ass did a 180 so fast. It's ridiculous. Um, all bullshit aside. I, I hear you dang one-ish. I like Black Taurus. I think he's really good in uh, Impact Wrestling. I don't think he gets enough credit where credit deserves. This could be a spotlight for him to get that little shine, but I would be stunned, stunned if Vikingo wins. I'll go as far as I'll make this the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Lock of the Week. Wait, who are you taking? I'm taking Vikingo. No, well, right there you said you'd be stunned if Vikingo wins, but I think... I think you just misspoke. So you're taking Vikingo, and you're making it your so-called Love Five Log of the Week. Yes, sir. I will make. I will check make. The, check out the big brain. Page is my so-called Love Five Log of the Week. Let's mix it up a little bit. Okay. We are getting fun here. So ROA Trial Battle. I think it's tomorrow night, right? Uh, nigga. Okay, there you go. The fact that I don't know, it I think tells Friday. you all you need to know. I get, I'm assuming uh, it's Friday. So those were our predictions. This is bad for ringside. Uh, Jason, any odds and ends you want to talk about? Um, No, honestly, uh, New Japan's taking a little break. Uh, road to uh, Tokyo Dome, I believe, is the 21st and 22nd. couple of matches couple cars there and then we're on to uh wrestle kingdom from that point outside of that you know we, i think we've covered all the bases this week and then we got the beef this is true we got to talk about uh a, a circle date for the beefers probably we should do that before royal rumble but uh sometime after the yeah. uh, after the new give year me be- give me a beefer <laughs> we got now, some this beefers is here. a beefer <laughs> <laughs> Beefers all day. <laughs> uh, that's a real good looking beefer. Oh my god! Uh, we got some birthdays this week. Uh, Eric Young, EY is forty four. Stone Cold Steve Austin, fifty nine. Brody Lee, aka Luke Harper, RIP, forty four. RVD is fifty three. Trish Strass is forty seven. And Mean Gene Oakland, RIP, hmm. RIP, mm-hmm. would have been eighty one. Damn. Everybody, we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we'd reach you guys listening to our podcast. Or Senator Mahal for my Check. beautiful family side. Check. For Murray the Murray Man Murray for Lucha Chris. Check. For Patriot Pat. Check. For, uh, did I say Senator Mahal? Yes, you did. I did. Uh, who am I missing? For Vice? Check. For Three Beers Zach Coleman? Check. For Jason Cornelius Bell? Kadijuwa, bitches. I'm Bill Beggy. Check. Black Lives Matter? Check. Uh, support your local weed dealers? Check. Support your local restaurant. Check. Tip your bartenders. Check. Tell your parents. Check. Merry Christmas. Check. And move it. Boo!